Oh, hey, Trey. What's up, Trey? What's up, Ghost? Nothing much, buddy. Nothing much. Nothing. Yeah, and same over here. Just about to head off, head off to work after this. Uh, thank you for joining, by the way. Oh, no problem. Huh? All right. Uh, now that you're here, I'm gonna mark it. Uh, and let's get let's get started. Let's get right into it. Uh, I wanted to dive right into the NFL power rankings. So that's okay with y'all? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna, we're gonna go with Trey, you, you could go first, then Ghost, then myself, I'll go last, and, uh, let's see, let's see your, uh, power rankings first, Trey. All right, so we want, you want my top five or my top ten? Well, we're going top ten. Top ten? But I mean, first, I start off with the Seahawks, and, you know, a lot of people don't really give that organization credit for constantly being in positions to win, uh. Russell Wilson got his money, so I think he's going to be on a mission to prove why he deserved that contract and why he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Um, Ninth, I have the Browns. Um, Typically, I wouldn't really have them that high, but he made a lot of big splashes in the offseason. Baker Mayfield is coming off of a rookie of the year uh, type campaign, so I feel like he can only grow from there. Um, eighth, I will have the Falcons. Um, I think had that, that injury bug last year. Um, but I think this year, if they can keep some of their guys healthy in the way Julio's been playing, um, I really see them making a push for the postseason this year. Um, another NFC South uh, team I got is the Panthers. Um, once again, I think they were a team that were riddled with injuries. They, I want to say, were five and one, five and two before camp injury started, or camp started to have that shoulder injury. So I feel like if he's close to 100, um, percent they could be a team that's formidable going on to into this season. Um, another team I have is the Chargers. So my man Philip Rivers, he had another kid, so. He's definitely going to be on another mission to keep playing football at high level. Big checks. Never tired. Big checks. Right. Right. <laughs> so, and I thought they had a good season last year. And uh, I think they're going to build off of that, especially with the way Melvin Gordon's been playing for the past few seasons. Um, next, I have the Broncos. So, um, I really like the addition of Joe Flacco. I know some people call him Joe Fluco, but um, he's my guy. Um, he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback, and he typically performs well in the playoffs. And I think he'll get the Broncos or has a chance of getting the Broncos uh, to that promised land. And if they do make it to the playoffs, he's known to make some noise. Um, fourth, I have the Chiefs. Um, MVP candidate Pat Mahomes, he's liable to go. Be a back to back MVP this upcoming year. I know he's lost a lot of weapons, but uh, the one thing I do believe in is Andy Reid and his system. And I think he'll be able to make some guys we don't really know about uh, shine this season. Um, Third, I have the Los Angeles Rams. Um, Another high powered offense. 
Um, and they have a defense to complement it as well. Um, young coach, um, young quarterback, young running back. I mean, these guys, I think they'll really keep making some noise some years to come. Uh, number two, I have the New Orleans Saints. Um, I think they're really, really close. In the last couple of years, they've been really close to getting to the Super Bowl. And I think last year kind of put a bad taste in their mouth. So I'm going to be playing with the edge this season, especially defensively. Um, and then number one, I just have to go with the Patriots. They are the defending champions. Uh, in my book, they have the best quarterback in the league in Tom Brady. And he just continues to show that he ages with grace. I haven't seen the cliff that animals that he's uh, falling off of. So um, I understand they lost Gronk, who's a really big piece. But knowing the Patriots and, and that culture they have in a whole offseason, I think they'll be uh, one of the top teams in the league. So that's my top 10 going into this season. Uh-huh. I guess sounds good. So I guess I'll pick up from here. Um, obviously, I read this differently. Like um, when you gave us the topics, I just saw uh, pulled the NFL's top ten and thought you wanted us to chat on that. So that's the route no. I took, um, <laughs> which is kind of different. But I guess it'd be good because like T Dot got his thing, and I'm coming from a different angle with it. But uh, I'll start at ten from the NFL's power rankings. They have the Eagles at ten. Um, I'm really shocked to see them in the top 10. Um, I'll definitely have the Steelers in the top 10 over the Eagles. Um, but as far as the Eagles, um, they're only going to go as far as Wentz can stay healthy. They really don't have any other option um, on offense, and the defense can't really carry them to enough wins. Um, at nine, they came with the Falcons. Um, like like Trey said, they were destroyed by the injury bug really bad in 18-19. A lot of people failed to realize that. I still don't think they'll make a lot of noise in the playoffs. Um, They do have the talent, but this self-inflicted wounds being um, miscommunication on defense, not doing the right play or play calling. I I just have it hard to believe that you've got to go half a year without getting a guy like Julio in the end zone. Um, And I would literally watch games and it's play calling, whether he's not in the game, uh, the red zone, or he's in the game and they overdo it to try to get the ball to him or what it's just impossible for me to fathom. Uh, number eight, they came with the Texans. Um, I like the defense with a great blend of strength and speed. Uh, I think the offense is primed for the next step when it comes to Watkins and Hopkins. Hopkins is my favorite receiver in the league. Um, they just need to be more consistent. Um, you'll find going on stretches like 0-5, 4-0, 72, 3-6. They just need to be more consistent. Um, the Bears, they had a number seven. Uh, I think that's the best defense in the league. Um, the defense is going to hold its own, obviously, and keep them in playoff contention, top of higher seeds, everything. But um, their QB, Trubisky, can take the next step. I think they'll be all right. Um, need to find ways to get more involvement from the tight end as well. Uh, number six, the NFL came with the Chargers. I thought that was kind of high. When we're looking at the 10 teams they got, I would slide them down to eight and slide the Bears and Texans up one spot each in the bit respectively. Um, the Chargers, uh, I do like them. That Philip Rivers always a real competitive, fiery guy. Gets the team built around him. And I think they have the best duo of sack getters in the league. Like, not pass rushers, sack getters. They, they seem to get home um, more often than not between Boza and Ingram. Um, number five, they came with the Colts, which is kind of shocking, but when looking at it, I like it a lot because Andrew Luck's coming on strong. 
Um, he's more than over his injury now. I think he's going to go back to where everybody thought it would be. He got the tailback, Mac. That's pretty good. And they got uh, Naheem Hines, which is some somebody not many people saw last year. Um, but I'm my favorite sports track and field, so you know I'm all over speed, and he he got plenty of it. And um, towards the back end of the year, he's more the receiving back, and he's gonna come up play big dividends this year. And I like um, the tight end they got. Um, he used to play in Detroit, Eric Ebron. And mm-hmm. then they got, I forgot his name, but uh, the mm-hmm. middle the linebacker they had come out. He's gonna be a true team leader. I like what they got. Um, number four. The NFL came with the Patriots. Um, just the blueprint of the league. Uh, model consistency. I kind of saw them not coming in the top three. They like to start low and then finish high um, as far as hype on them. Uh, looking at the draft, the first five picks they had, I'll take the first five picks they had over the first five picks of any team when far as scheme fit and need. Um, that big Nikhil Harry, big, huge athletic receiver. I think that would take place of um, missing Gronk for sure. And you got the whole dual tailback system they got there. I like it at all. They really don't have any huge holes. Um, but like I said, they'll come on late in the season with all the hype and talk. Uh, number three, they got the Rams. Um, a lot of people think Gur- they're going to take a step back on offense because of Gurley's injury. And whether he's going to play the same and not be as good or miss more games with injury or not play as much. I don't really think that. Um, what should we call it? Uh, the rookie from Memphis, Henderson, I think he's going to be able to provide that load management they need for Gurley without missing a beat. Kid's like a dart, got a bunch of quickness, and he, he's known to bounce off of guys much rather than being tackled. And they drafted well to fill out the need at safety. Um, so, and, and everything else, obviously, they made it to the Super Bowl. So, they got the talent and everything else. They really just need a safety and um, running back depth. And their scheme really allows a lot of leeway for that running back depth. I think Henderson's a good fit. Uh, number two, they got the Saints. Um, all that, The team's always going to be in the game due to the offense we got. Um, you're not going to run on that defense. I saw a thing almost two years consecutively. Um, team hasn't allowed a 100-yard rusher in a single game. Uh, I like the addition of Butler, defensive tackle, uh, especially with yeah. injuries to, our, to the big man we had there and suspensions to Anyamata. Um, like to see how that pans out. I think the defense itself is going to take a huge step forward. Uh, like the rookie Chauncey Gardner Johnson, been following him since his junior year of high school. Um, uh, he's going to play with so much swag. I think it's just going to the the veterans on the team just going to get a new new life, new energy. They're going to play out this world. I think that just that team's going to be exciting to watch, man. I'm um, really looking forward to it. And then they got the Chiefs in number one. Um, I'm a go off with Trey Siggs. That's the first thing I had written down was the leadership from the head coach and the quarterback. Um, this is going to be his third year in the league at quarterback, but he's poised beyond his years. I'm not really sold on the wide receiver, uh, the, excuse me, the running back position, but I think the wide receivers make up for it. I'm expecting um, Watkins to kind of pick it up a little bit. Um, go back to his college days. I think Demarcus Robinson will pick it up some. You still got Kelsey at tight end. Uh, they're kind of like the Rams as far as, like, schematically. You can plug almost any tailback. Get the job done. And I like the addition of McCole Hardman from um, the draft. And when you look at the defense, they got speed everywhere. Uh, not the most talented, but definitely fast enough to 
make up for mistakes and you got the offense win the games for them. They just can't lose the game. And Adam Matthew, I really think that's a good addition to that defense. Um, let's see, the dark horses I got are the Jaguars. Um, kind of like a win-down mode when it comes to the defense they got because they're about to – this summer I think they'll be hit with free agency really bad, so it's win now or not. Yep. Um, when it comes to the draft, um, I really like the Allen guy from Kentucky, set that edge. And the Taylor, the tackle from Florida, I think they got two first-round picks, and one in the first, one in the second round. That's going to be huge. And with the addition of Nick Foles, that quarterback, I think they're going to have what they need. And um, if you can just get your boys set right at um, running back, I think you'll be balanced enough there. you got plenty of speed and talent. Um, they got the defense. I was Last year, I think it was just a fluke thing. That defense is going to be right again. The offense will be uh, good enough, if not better. Um, and then I had Carolina as a team nobody's talking about. Uh, Cam was really beat up last year, and I think the drafting of Scarlett, who's just a human pinball uh, at running back, he can run up the hole, kind of free up McCaffrey. He's been working with track coaches all summer, so he, he said he got a lot faster, which is a scary thought in and of itself. Yeah. But uh, Scarlett's really good at pass protection. I think that's the reason he got drafted. Um, especially where he did, so you can keep him back there as pass protection and line McCaffrey up in the slot or in the numbers by itself on one side of the field. And they came on real huge late. I think people aren't talking about the um, McCoy defensive tackle. So they're real balanced, and you still got Keekly over there. I think they're going to be able to make a run. The um, NFC South, I have the NFC South, winner of that with Bears and the Rams deciding the NFC Championship champion. So it's gonna be an interesting year, but that's my take on with the NFL guys that are top ten. All right. Uh, all right, so let me get to uh, my top ten. Uh so for I kinda started off my top ten kinda like Trey's. Uh we we got so for ten I have the Seahawks. Uh like you like I agree with you. Uh Russell is gonna definitely now that he has he's got paid, he's gonna be more aggressive. Uh, he's going to show that he deserves that money and his leadership and uh, all his qualities and his playmaking ability is all going to be there. Um, so I, I, I like the Seahawks. Um, the only thing with the Seahawks is that defense, uh, you, you lost Thomas. That's going to, that's going to hurt. Uh, I don't, I can't remember what's going on with uh, Cam right now at this moment. I think he's gone, but I'm not a hundred percent sure he still might be there. Um, yeah, I think he's contemplating retirement. I think he's oh, with it. yeah. I he might be. I don't know. Cam, Cam, Cam is that's a question. That's a question right there. Like what what's going on with him? Uh, I know they have a good corner in. Um, I want to say Griffin. Mm-hmm. His last name is Griffin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know he. I know they have a rising star in him. Uh, they also have his brother who's who's coming out to be be a good linebacker. Uh, they still got Bob, Bobby uh, in the middle. So the Seahawks defense, it's just they're young. So it's going to be interesting to see that group. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the Browns, uh, even though you did add Odell with the Browns, and like you said, Baker is uh, coming off a rookie of the year candidate. Uh, I still want to see how the I want I want to see how the head coach does because he was just trying to get the offensive coordinator job. 
he wasn't really trying to get that head coach job. Uh, but now that he's the head coach, I want to see how he does and how he's going to handle Odell and uh, Baker and basically all those like personalities on on the Browns because mm-hmm. that's that's a lot of personalities on the Browns. Yeah, I mean I'll say but to, um, to the Browns. I mean as long as Odell behaves like a team player, I think they'll work out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, Odell definitely can't have like the attention and the media drama. And, and kind of some of it was Odell and then some of it was the media but mm-hmm. all the stuff that happened with the Giants that can't happen with the Browns so uh, with the with number eight I have the Philadelphia Eagles uh, like like you said they, they definitely hit the injury bug uh, with Wentz and some and some of the defense I think uh Jenkins, he he was out for some time, so they lost a, a lot of their leaders. Uh, you don't have Nick Foltz that's gonna miraculously come in and save you guys. So if uh, Wentz gets hurt, it's gonna be interesting to see what the Eagles happens. So it it basically with the Eagles, it depends if they can stay healthy. I think if they can stay healthy, they can uh, win the NFC East. I feel mm-hmm. like the Cowboys would still be a wild card, but the the Eagles will still be like your third or fourth seed. Mm-hmm. Um, with the with my number seven, I have the Colts. The I I think the Colts could win the AFC South. It just depends on that defense. That uh, they're they're like a younger version of the Saints. Uh, with Ant. And with that, uh, with the offense that can win you some games, but that defense is just that defense might lose you some games. And that was that was the early runs of uh, Sean Payton and Drew Brees uh, before the Super Bowl, and then a little bit sometime after the Super Bowl when they lost uh, Sharp and Harper and some of those defensive players. So I, I I think the Colts are definitely a, a younger version of the Saints. Uh, for number six, I have the Bears. The Bears have the best defense in the NFL, hands down. I I feel like I personally think nobody should question the Bears' defense. It's that offense that's shaky for me, mainly the quarterback. I mean, yes, yes, he's young. And mm-hmm. and he he's in my mind, I think he's more of a game manager right now. He's not he's not a person that's gonna win you some games right now because mm-hmm. he's that young. But he's definitely a game manager. But I want, but I know he has the potential to win you games. He he could be like a constant Pro Bowl type of uh, quarterback. Uh, I do see the uh, the Bears winning the NFC North. But I feel like the Packers are going to be close. Gotcha. So, so the last wild card spot is definitely going to be between uh in my for the NFC, it's going to be between the Packers, the Cowboys, the Falcons, the Panthers, and uh, I feel like missing the Vikings. It's going to be very close for the NFC uh, last wild card spot. So that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, number five, I have the Rams. 
Uh, and the reason why I have the Rams at number five is because they just added some um, some pieces, some veterans. I want to see how these veterans do. Like I think they just added uh, Clay Matthews. I want to see how they uh, how they add Clay Matthews in. They just lost Sue. Like yes, you have uh, yes you have Aaron Donald. Second, yeah, yes you have Aaron Donald, who's who's possibly the best defensive player in the NFL right now. It's 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 really between him, a healthy JJ Watt, and uh, a Khalil Mack. Mm-hmm. Those are my top three for best defensive players. Um, but with the Rams, like you said, it's uh it's gonna be interesting to see with this young uh this young offense, uh this young head coach and the young quarterback. Now that they got like another year under their belt, they got another offseason under their belt. Uh, I definitely want to see how they attack the uh, the Saints and the Seahawks. Uh, I hope they go up against the Eagles. I don't have the schedule up right now, but I hope to see the Rams and the Eagles and then the Rams and the Cowboys this season. I think that's going to be very, very interesting, very good football. That's, that's like a Sunday night or a Monday night, uh, Monday night game, and that's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, number four, I have the New England Patriots. I have the Patriots because right now, um, that defense, like every year, the de- I want to see how that defense do, like how they come out the first couple of games. Uh, but I feel like once the once the once they get to the playoffs, like the Patriots are just gonna go back to be the Patriots. They're just gonna go back, and gonna, and that defense gonna be fine. Brady's gonna win you some games. But the loss, uh, but losing Grump, mm-hmm. that's gonna take a hit early on into the season, and I want to see how that receiving core does without Grump being on the field. Uh, I think they lost and Amendola. They might have lost Amendola a while ago, but uh, mm-hmm. Danny Amendola, did he just leave or that was last year? That was last year. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. I. I know they have Julian Edelman, but he's he's a slot receiver. Like Edelman's good, but who who can you throw to on the outside? And that's where they mostly had growth in one on one coverage with a safety or a linebacker. And we're just gonna throw up the Gronk and we're gonna see what he could do what he could do on a go route or a post or something like that. So now, now that you lost Gronk, I want to see how they're going to attack the middle and attack the outside with the Patriots. But Brady and Belichick, it's still Brady and Belichick. And once they get once they get to the postseason, they're going to be a problem. Um, number three, I have my New Orleans Saints. And the reason why I have my Saints is, uh, like Brandon said earlier, I think the, the rookie uh, Johnson, he's going to be a great impact player because of uh, Coleman wasn't playing that well. Bell had his moments. Um, PJ Williams, he he had his moments, but he he really started like he he started playing like in the middle of the season. Uh, Eli Apple, he's still a uh, he's still a question mark for me personally. There's times where he could play great, and then there's times where he could just get burnt. Uh, Lat Lattimore is still gonna be Lattimore. 
like people are downing him because he he's a 87 overall in Madden and he only had two interceptions. Like Lattimore is still Lattimore. You're not throwing the Lattimore side. As long as uh, that defense has the communication, uh, I feel like the communication that they need and they can stop playing cover two so much because I think everybody in this chat uh, in this uh, podcast right now will say like the Saints play a lot of cover two but they will be more efficient playing cover man yeah with the addition of Chauncey it gives you somebody in the slot that can play man besides the um, guy that got hurt Patrick Robinson last year because we were doing fine but once P-Rob got hurt and they had to switch to that cover two, and then everything kind of went either boom or yeah. bust as far as the yeah. defensive backs was concerned. Yeah. Um, I think I think having P Rob, he's he's gonna be great, but you're gonna see a lot of rotation between P Rob, uh, Chauncey, and uh, Pat and uh, PJ uh, in that nickel. So that's that's gonna be interesting interesting to see who wins it. I think they're gonna start off with P Rob. But eventually, they're going to switch to more Chauncey for the Saints. Uh, and that, that that offensive line is a real question mark for me right now because we have a, a new guy, mm-hmm. uh, a new guard, and then we also have a new center and a rookie center. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, Pete is still coming off. It's coming off an injury year, so it's can he stay healthy? And there's another guy, Larry. I can't remember his last name, but uh, it starts with. Yes, he's a he's another guy. He he catches the injury the injury bug from time to time as well. So it, if the guards can stay healthy, um, and the rookie could play up, uh, if the rookie could give. Drew Brees and Ty, it's going to be very interesting to see. Um, even though we lost Mark Ingram, I feel like Miller is going to be very helpful for the Saints because he's faster and younger. And he's going to be a, a, you're going to be able to move him more around as to, to where when you see Mark Ingram, man, you know it. Mark Ingram is either going to pass block or he's about to uh, go inside. Or maybe he might go outside the tackles once or twice a game. But with uh with Murray, it's gonna be uh, a change up. And I also wanna see what uh Washington does because I think uh the game that Washington really stand out for me is against the uh the Panthers that last game, like week seventeen. Uh he showed he had a lot of potential. So it's gonna be very interesting to see him. Uh, I'm talking about the Saints too much. Uh, number two, <laughs> I have the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, it's gonna be very interesting to see uh, a healthy Hunter, uh, Mike Williams uh, as the number two receiver. Uh, Melvin Gordon, he's talking about uh, he needs a new contract or he's uh, or he's holding out. But I don't think he's he's worthy of an elite status. Uh, he's a good he's a don't mind he's a great running back, but he's not like elite worthy. Like I wouldn't put him in the name of a uh, of a Camara or a Gurley or a 
Zeke or uh, he he's kind of where Barkley is. Him and Barkley are in that second tier right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that defense, uh, that defense could definitely ri- rival the Bears and the Rams uh, for being number two or number one. So, uh, and uh, I'm glad to see James was playing well. That that rookie last year, he was playing well. So I'm I'm very excited to see this secondary and how. Uh, and how that pass rush comes along. And for number one, I have the Chiefs. Uh, like Trey said earlier, I think Patrick Mahomes can uh, go back-to-back MVP. Uh, him and Andy Reid, um, they're some mad geniuses when it comes down to offense and schemes and just and just getting out the ball. But uh, I think they lost two two Pro Bowl uh pieces and and um Hill and Hunter and Hunt. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be it, it's gonna be interesting to see how they uh how they adjust. But I, I still think uh the Chiefs uh can will be a number one seed or or a number two seed. It depends on how the Patriots play. Um the addition of the honey badger uh, Matthews, that's gonna be great for that defense. That was already good, but now that defense will be able to win you more games. Like they were, able, they were able to win you games. They kind of keep you in games, but now I think they're, they're gonna be able to win you some games now. So now is uh, kill. I know he, but like you see, I saw that he like the um courts dropped the charges on him. Like he's not yeah. back on the team or nothing. No, I mean, you know how the NFL operates is for uh, those, if there's smoke, there's fire type of situation. So even um, they're not liable to discipline you based on what the quarter loss is. So it kind of depends on how Roger Goodell feels about the situation. So yep. if he, um, he can do so. So like right now, is he like suspended, but if approved to rejoin the league, he goes to the Chiefs or will he be a free agent? Um, so I believe he was, he's still on the Chiefs. They haven't dismissed him. So, okay. um, so he's reinstated. He would go back to the Chiefs. Gotcha. Uh, uh what, what the, with Hunter on the, on the Browns, that's going to be interesting. Or Hunt on the Browns, that's going to be interesting. But I want to see how they're going to. How they gonna do that? How they gonna spread the ball around like that? Because that's a lot of weapons on the Browns. Yeah, I mean, I would say with Kareem Hunt, by week eight when he returns, I would assume that Duke Johnson is traded. Um, just the way that Duke Johnson commands uh, the ball, both as a runner and a passer, and getting those touches, he works well for what the Browns want to do. I know they've tried to trade him over the past couple of years or so. And, you know, I mean, if he's still in that roster and Kareem Hunt comes back, it's a big chance that Kareem Hunt doesn't get to see the field, which is, you know, crazy to believe knowing the type of talent he is. But being out of football as long as he's been out, and then I expect Duke Johnson in that new offensive system to do well the way he's done uh, since he came in the league. It'll be hard for Kareem Hunt to see the field. Yeah, I agree. I agree. 
Uh, I I seen recently that do uh, that uh, Miami, the Dolphins, they're interested in uh, yeah. Johnson. Yeah. Uh, that would be good um, for their sales team th- as well. He played college ball down in Miami. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, uh, I think Duke Johnson he he'll be good with my like like we said Miami. Uh, another place he might be good at is uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, I'm really thinking off the top of my head. Uh, maybe it is uh, the Bengals, but I don't see the Browns trading with the Bengals. Honestly, Duke will fit anywhere. Like he's not really talked about it. Like I wouldn't say he's underrated because you talk to the people that actually know about him, and um, they have him rated pretty fairly. I feel, but like he's not as heard of. He's not a real much of a heralded tailback, but he can he can run the ball in and outside the tackles. He can catch the ball. So he can really fit into any team. Like any team can find a good place to use him. Yeah. Definitely. Um so does any, anybody else have uh, some other dark horses or honorable mentions before we uh switch it off? Like no, that? we hit all of mine, that's for sure. I I'll tell you Zach since so gracefully giving me this platform, I will pick with my heart. I will tell you that the New York football giants will be a Oh, Lord. <laughs> if you look at the last five or six games without Eli played some of the best football in his career. Sterling Shepard showed that he was a young talent that deserved to get paid and rightfully so this offseason. Um, we'll have Evan Ingram back. You know Saquon Barkley, what he can do. I feel, you know, we've gotten rid of some of those bad contracts on our defense. I'm still happy that we kept uh, Jack. But I think he's going to keep our secondary quite formidable. And I will tell you, I think the Giants have a chance of making the playoffs. And as we know about Eli Manning, that's when he shines the most. So, playoffs? You heard it? Playoffs? New York football Giants. Now, the Giants, the Giants are one receiver away, um, and about one to two offensive linemen away. I really like the rookie from UTEP last year, but uh, Solder needs to come back and play like his normal self. I don't know what he was doing last year, whether he got paid and gave up or it just didn't work. He gets back to his old self, and y'all got a great. Um, as far as defense, I don't really like the front all that much. Um, and I've never been big on Peppers. I always saw him as like a great return specialist and an athletic <laughs> cover-up mistakes with his speed at safety. Um, but I never saw him as like a multiple pro bowler or defensive anchor for a squad. So uh, I still think the Giants got a little bit ways to go, but I think they definitely on the right track. And I have, I have uh, one more dark horse candidate, not in terms of title contention, but definitely playoff contention. And they will be the only team in the AFC East to beat the New England Patriots. And that is the Miami Dolphins. I believe Josh Rosen was handed a bad deal. And I mean, understandably so, Kyler Murray was the best overall prospect. You had to take him at that number one overall pick. But um, I think Josh Rosen is going to show why he was such a high pick in last year's draft. And um, he has the makings to do some really great things in Miami. Yeah, that's a good scheme fit with him. 
um, especially blending into the city. He's a bit of a bit of a um, smart ass kind of thing. But I mean, it comes from the work ethic and that little city uh, blending with him well. I think they'll really like uh, the little jabs he throws and everything. So I think that they're looking all right. They're looking all right. They might catch them uh, when the Patriots slide down to Miami. I think that'll be the game they get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. The the only the only thing I have uh, against the Giants is the the NFC in in a whole. It's just tough. the NFC is tough. So so it's I give like not this year, but maybe next year. Like like uh like uh Brandon said, uh they're they're missing a receiver and they're missing some uh some linemen. I'm gonna say offense in defensive linemen. Yeah. Uh but you gotta you gotta lose somebody from the from the uh from the NFC because we're looking at possibly like three teams from the NFC South. We're looking at all possibly all of the uh NFC East. Uh the NFC North, we're looking at three teams. It's in the NFC West, we're looking at two teams. It's hard. Three, I put them in there. Yeah, it, it's gonna be hard because it, it really depends on if if uh you gotta hope that Aaron Rodgers just catch the injury bug so that eliminates the Packers. Uh, the Vikings basically do the same thing last year. Is like basically they 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 uh, they go eight and eight, or they just play like yeah, they play around eight and eight. Uh, it, it really just depends on how how the NFC South and how the uh, the NFC West mm-hmm. does and how the North does. Uh, you, you you already know that the Eagles and the Cowboys are going to be a problem for you guys. So it's you have to split every NFC East game, at least split. But you definitely have to win against the. Uh, there's a you got to win against the Reds. I hope so. Either that's like four hundred yards per team. No. All right. Uh, so for the next little topic that we have, uh, it's gonna be super, uh, super easy, super simple. Uh, we're gonna start off same same order, but uh, it's gonna be top three offense and then a uh, top three defense. Okay. Well, uh, my top three, uh, starting at three, I'll go with the Rams. I mean, Sean McVay has proven to be one of the most prolific offensive minds that we have in this game, and I don't see why um, he won't continue to showcase that next year, um, especially because it seems like they just get weapons and weapons every year. Um, and I expect them to be top uh, of the league as far as passing and rushing in both of those categories. So um, they're my third offensive team. Uh, second, I would put the Chiefs. I think they will have a lot of passing yards. I do think their uh, rushing attack will dwindle a little bit from last year, but I do think they'll still be among the top teams in that category offensively. Um, 
you know how I feel about Showtime Mahomes and, and Andy Reid and what he does. And I think, um, in a way, he was even held back last year. So I think we're going to get the full uh, force of Pat Mahomes next year. And number one, I have the Saints. I think they have the capability to be both the number one passing attack and rushing attack in the league next year. Um, it's really about you know what you decide to do. Um, we know Sean Payton has his lapses where he just refuses to run the ball, and that could put Drew in harm's way, especially with the reshuffling of our offensive line. So, uh, best case scenario, he relies on Latavius Murray and uh, Alvin Kamara for both passing game and running game, and allow sometimes for our running game to win us games and not force so much on Drew, because at the as the season. Uh, dwindles down, you're really going to need Drew Brees to do what he does um, to win games, but you don't want to kind of overuse him, especially as he ages and he's had some issues with his shoulder and you can visibly see that that throwing power isn't what it used to be. So the um, the more we can kind of keep him loosened up for the, the big push toward the Super Bowl, the better. Um, like I said, the Saints, they're my number one offense and I think they'll finish you know maybe number one passing tag maybe one or two in rushing they have that capability um as far as defense so my third ranked defense and this is just going just based off of of Greg Williams history on, on how he can turn some defenses around I say the Jets um they have some young talent both on the line linebacker and in the secondary and just you know, being coached under one of the greatest defensive minds the game has ever seen, I think they will showcase that. Um, if anything, their offense might hold them back this year and put them in some tough spot. But I think talent-wise, for sure, um, they'll be one of the top defenses next year. Uh, secondly, I have the Texans. Um, I mean, Jadavion Clowney, a healthy J.J. Watt, they're forced to be reckoned with. Um, I really wish they would have re-signed uh, the Honey Badger because I felt like he was really good for that locker room and for that secondary because it was so young. But I do think uh, with Davion County and, and J.J. Watt being healthier, it'll kind of help relieve uh, some of the the slack or some of the pressure from the, the secondary this year. Um, and my number one defense is the Bears. I mean, Khalil Mack is the best defensive player in football as far as I'm concerned and he's he's a force to be reckoned with and then you have Fuller who came into his own last year as a cornerback um, and then you have uh, linebackers Leonard Floyd you want to say his, his name or, or something like that um, yeah that's right out of Georgia mm-hmm. yeah, he's, yeah. he was a really good pickup at the linebacker position so when you look at all levels of their defense and the fact that they force turnovers, I mean, that's the biggest thing. It's one thing to kind of give up yard, but if you're giving up points and, and not getting that ball back to your offense, uh, you're not really doing your job or as good of a job as you can. And I see no reason why the Bears won't continue that push. I mean, they play in a division with, with Aaron Rodgers and Matthew Stafford and Kirk Cousins, so there'll be plenty of opportunities to rush the quarterback. Um, because those three teams they're really pass happy, um, so yeah. from from a numbers perspective, I think you'll see the the Bears at the very top again in both 
yards allowed, and, and most importantly, turnovers for us. Okay, so um, for this one, I kind of hit the nail on the head as far as like making my own, not going off what the uh, NFL power rankings are, but. Um, I like to sell tickets, so we're going to start with the offensive side. <laughs> um, you can you can tell mm-hmm. that uh, Trey and I watch a lot of football together and talk it together. Um, number three, I got the Rams. Uh, best, I think they're the best scheme in football. Um, they find the scheme, put their their players in positions to make make plays. Um, they got the talent to match, but I think most of their talent is the offensive front, um, quarterback, and tailback. As far as receivers, they don't really have a household name. Maybe Cooper Cup, but um, hasn't really given a large enough sample size for me yet and then had that big injury to uh, cut last year short. Uh, number two, I had the Chiefs. Um, but they're the most explosive offense in football, in my opinion. Um, they're, they're really good schematically as well. Um, the difference as far as Rams and Chiefs, I think the Rams are, have the best scheme in football and they find players to put into their scheme, whereas the Chiefs have um, a great scheme as far as putting the ball into the hot hand instead of just plugging players in. And then um, I definitely had the Saints as number one offense. So um, I got that because they're the most consistent and balanced. Um, they can control the game via passing. They can control the game via running. Um, got a two-headed monster running back right now. I think you'll find a third come out of nowhere. Um, right now the roster is kind of thick at that 90 man, but I think a third tailback will come out of that. Um, I think you really found your other receiver because Mike Thomas is – um, one of the best in the league, putting up all kinds of stats and records and everything, but you don't have anybody else, um, whether that be with Will Jordan Humphrey, the undrafted rookie, or um, Traquan Smith, really making that leap. Um, I really like one of those two to really stand out and take in, got his wheels back, so that's pretty good. And I think it was going underrated. Um, you got you got Hill at tight end, which is going to be steady Eddie, um, blocking and a little bit of pass catching, but they even said when they re-signed him that it's for his blocking and everything. Um, but the sign of Jared Cook, not enough people are talking about that anymore. That's really going to open up the field a lot for Michael Thomas and other guys to go deep. Um, that's your big threat yeah. in the middle. Um, some honorable mentions I had were the Browns. Yes. Um, the thing with the Browns, I still got him as boomer bust. Either there's going to be really good. Or really bad. Now, if it's good, that's because they're young and they haven't really played with each other. Um, and honestly, they don't know how to win. Um, Mayfield won on the college level on the backside, but everybody else they got um, hasn't really won since high school. Um, so they don't really know how to put it together yet. But looking at Mayfield at quarterback, you got Kareem Hunt coming in late on the season due to suspension at tailback, Nick Chubb at tailback and for the, at least the beginning Duke Johnson at tailback then and Joku at tight end and the receivers you got Landry and Beckham everybody talk about and your third receiver Callaway that got track speed so uh, that's going to be pretty big for them but um, my other honorable mention is Houston Texans and I mentioned earlier as far as team rankings the team needs to be more consistent I think that's honestly going to come with the offense because the defense always been consistent <laughs> Um, outside of a few injuries here and there. I really think Watson and Hopkins are going to take the next step this year. They just need a little bit more balance and find a way to get Hopkins um, more one-on-one matchups. Uh, switching over to the defense, my number three ranked defense is the Chargers, uh, mainly because of that sack duo they got between Boza and Ingram. 
Um, those guys stay back there in the quarterback's face all day. Um, they got really good defensive backs that kind of hold their own um, when it comes to giving time for the sack to get there or if the sack doesn't get there, they'll be able to play it well. Um, number two, I got the Steelers. Um, they're really balanced from the front to the back, got a lot of speed, a lot of young guns, and they can interchange a lot of guys, really athletic, play really fast. They don't really think much. They just do it. Um, I got the Bears as number one defense because um, Khalil Mack, I think, is the best defensive player in football. Um, there's no real major holes, and they're very deep and balanced. Usually teams have to fill out 11 players with starters, so I think the, the Bears got a two-deep roster at every position. Uh, a couple players I like to watch that weren't named earlier by Trey or Jonathan Bullard at D-Tackle and Akeem Hicks on uh, D-Tackle, especially Hicks coming up big. Um, my honorable mentions are the Cowboys. Um, they got a very fast and opportunistic safety or secondary, excuse me. And then up front, they're very strong and athletic, led by um, Demarcus at defensive end. Uh, it's very hard to run against when they really control the box. And then my um, complete dark horse would be the Jets. Now they had Marcus May and Jamal Adams already. Stealing Brian Poole from Atlanta through free agency is, uh, I think, going to completely kill the Falcons' defensive backfield, but really sets up the Jets for um, a lot of success because those three will keep any receiving core in check. And all three, even dating back to college, like to play the box and play against the run. I think that defense will go as far as the draft picks will take them, as far as Williams holding down the middle. And any kind of pass rush you get from Polite, who I think it's kind of undersized, um, really take that defense into the next level or just keep them as an honorable mention. All right. Uh, I think all three of us could, uh, it's definitely going to agree on when it comes down to offense because, uh, like you guys, number three, I have the Rams. Number two, I have the Chiefs. And number one, I have the Saints. And it's basically the, uh, basically all you guys' reasons that you already put. Uh, the Rams, <clears throat> they, have a, they have a great scheme. They have a great uh, young quarterback and, and young uh, head coach. Uh, they have some great pieces around them. It's going to uh, – if, if uh, Todd Gurley has a, another possible MVP-type season – uh, you could see the Rams back in the NFC, uh, the NFC Championship, or back in the Super Bowl uh, with the Chiefs. Uh, I, I couldn't put them number one because I want to see what they do without uh, without uh, Hunt and uh, Hill because I don't know when Hill's gonna be back uh, necessary. So far, I don't know what they're gonna do. So I want to see what that receiving core does. Uh, but like I said earlier, Mahomes could be back-to-back MVPs. Uh, I I don't think we we've seen a back-to-back MVP in a very long time. I feel like the last one was probably uh, it could have been Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. That's that's the first two that's come to my head. That's the only two. Um, and of course, number one, I'm taking the Saints. Uh, the way that uh. Like like uh, Brandon has said earlier, I definitely want to see another receiver merge, uh, be a, 
be a rising star. That way, uh, we always don't have to rely on Thomas. And uh, we always don't have to rely on Ted Ginn and his go routes or post routes. Uh, Jared Cook is definitely going to be helpful to Thomas coming to uh, be in the middle of the field. So that way Thomas doesn't have to always go into the slot and get hit in the middle of the field or run across the middle of the field. So that, that could uh, keep Thomas fresh. Uh, and like Trey has said earlier, uh, uh, I think the the bringing back uh, Bridgewater and bring and uh, having Hill come in for more pass play, that's gonna keep uh, Breeze fresh and keep his arm um, well and good enough for a postseason run. So the uh, those are my top three for offense and then for defense. I said it earlier, and you can switch out for all three of them, and I I would definitely agree. Because it's tough to uh, it's tough when it comes down to the defense. But I have number three the Bears, but they could easily be number one. The Rams uh, number two, and the Chiefs number one. Uh, like I said, it's it's easy to switch any of these teams around. It just depends on how the new pieces come in and how they play, and then how your young guys gonna come in and play. Uh, but I definitely like what Trey said earlier about how the Bears do. They uh, they do get a lot of turnovers, and I think they could lead the league in turnovers once again. Um, my dark horses for offense, I'm agree with Brandon. It's definitely the Browns. But another dark horse I have is going to be the uh, the Ravens. I I do like uh, if Lamar Jackson comes in and he he gives you like that. Michael Vick kind of vibe where he could pass and run. Uh, the addition of Mark Ingram is going to be good. Uh, I think they just added a new uh, Brown, yeah. Hollywood Brown. That uh, uh, He's going to be interesting to see. I think him, him and uh, Jackson are going to light it up on the field. Uh, and then a uh, another dark horse for uh, defense is uh, I have the Jaguars. <laughs> I think the the Jaguars uh, had a like Trey said earlier the Jag uh, or Brandon I can't remember which one but one of you guys said the Jaguars definitely had a fluke year. Uh, I think with um, who's their number one corner I can't remember Ramsey with uh, Ramsey going into his contract year I think he's definitely gonna try and go in. He might do a little bit too much but I I think he's gonna do what's necessary and he's not gonna like play around, he's going to show that he could be a number one corner. He could try and go get his money. So, uh, I think that's going to fire up the Jaguars. Um, Yeah, those those are my uh, dark horses. Um, Uh, Offensively, I'd I'd go with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think people are kind of writing them off with Antonio Brown being gone. You know, Le'Veon Bell missed last year and he's not He's going to be on the Pro Jets this year. Um, but knowing Ben Roethlisberger, the type of quarterback he is, he's a winner. He's a football player. I think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder to prove that uh, he is the face of the franchise, no matter the, how flashy Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell may be. The book stops with Roethlisberger, and if he's playing healthy, um, defensively, I have to go with um, the Rams. 
to me, I know they have the big names, but I had switches last year. Allowed uh, some big plays both in the run game and the passing game. And uh, necessarily better in a sense. Um, it'll be really good to see how they recover from from last year and to see if they can kind of uh, maintain the course and help the defense. Be any, uh, uh, no, I kind of gave mine, but like to counteract on uh, Trey, I do like the Steelers. Um, I'm not really riding them off. I just don't think they'll be top three in the league um, when it's all said and done. But like people say, losing Bell and Tellback and um, the wide receiver AB are gonna be problems. But I mean, I told I even told Pittsburgh fans right when the season ended, I'm like, you had James Conner already prove himself as a good enough Tellback to really make numbers in that system. And then you have Juju, uh, Juju Smith at receiver that they already put up numbers as well. So, and people that kind of like counteracted that is like, oh, we don't know if they'll be good consistently. I'm like, well, yeah, the Steelers, who was going to be their receiver after Heinz Ward left? Well, who's going to be their receiver after Plessico left? Well, who's going to be their receiver now that AB's gone? I mean, they find these guys, they're already there, they're in house. So the Steelers are going to be fine. I just don't think they'll be top three in the league. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Uh, I want to see the the guy James Washington, how he does. Uh, now that um, now that AB is gone, I want to see if he could emerge as a number two receiver. And I think, and I, I could, I remember there was a tight end that he got hurt, but I can't remember his name on top of my head. James? No, Jesse I, James. I think that's. Yeah, yeah. he's got bench. Yeah. <laughs> Like he's an outlaw or something. Might be a different guy I'm thinking of. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Um, at a tight end this year, he just had some big games. So Jesse kind of got stuck on the sideline. But he's still a, a pretty young talent. He has the size and the speed to really be productive. And now that AB is gone, I think the skills are going to do a lot of things by committee, so you can see a lot of two tight end sets um, where they feature both of their tight ends and kind of get those guys involved. So, Yeah. Oh, and uh, one more for offense that I just I just thought yeah. of, the, uh, the Colts. The Colts are definitely going to be interesting. I Do they still have Frank Gore? No, back? no. He, he signed with Buffalo this offseason. <laughs> Oh, thank I mean, they have some, they have some young guys in the coast. Yeah, they got that dual tailback system with uh, Mac as the um, bell, bell cow, and they got Naheem Hines as the spell tailback. And they got one more guy that they could throw in, but I think Hines kind of um, jumped them towards the back end of last year. But they use Eric Ebron very efficiently, and that's what really sets it off. I mean, another one to just throw in as far as offense. I mean, you got to think the Falcons are going to be up there offensively as far as statistics, if they can stay healthy, especially with the line and the running back positions. Um, I mean, I know Julio is going to bring it every single yeah. game. I just have to get my man in zone. I don't know how hard it is to get 
best wide receiver in football in the end zone, but clearly it's extremely difficult. Um, yeah, they make it look painful, that's for sure. They definitely do. Like, you, you can't just throw to 6'4 Julio Jones. Uh, they make it very, very difficult. I remember uh, there was a stat where it's like Matt Ryan throwing to Julio Jones for like a game winner, and he was like zero for for eight or something like that. And then he became <laughs> zero for nine because he threw a pick or he or he got swatted or something like that. I, I was like, wow. I can't believe I'm I mean, watching you know, Stoppie's game right now. Sometimes you can you can see that it's defensive schemes that can take a player outside out of a game. But I, w- I would I don't think I'd be going out on a limb and saying this, but the Atlanta Falcons and whoever their offensive coordinator is, because it's like musical chairs with that uh, position. But they just scheme themselves out of getting Julio in the end zone. And it, it makes no sense to me. He can line up inside, outside. Hell, he can line up in the backfield if you want him to. So um, the fact that they can't get him the ball, I do understand that they have a lot of weapons offensively. But um, when you have a weapon like Julio Jones, that should be there's no excuse why he should go half a season without reaching the end zone. Yeah, you mentioned their schematic. Um, keeping them from getting Julio the ball, but that's just some of the self-inflicted wounds I was mentioning earlier. Like, I just don't understand what they got going on. And be honest with you, I don't think they do either. So I think that's why they're not going to win it when it counts. True. Very true. All right. And uh, for our last topic of the day, we're gonna uh, talk about the college football, uh, college yeah. football, real quick, and we're gonna list, and we're gonna list our top. Uh, what time is it? We're gonna list our top okay. four contenders. Okay, well, I kind of went in more in depth with that, but yeah, I'll give you four, and then I'll rattle on. All right. <laughs> All right, Trey. Oh, let's uh, start us number one. Roll Tide, roll. Oh, what a homer. What a homer. <laughs> Ty will be in the running again for the Alabama Invitational, as Uncle Shannon Sharp likes to call it. Um, um, I will have Clemson, number two. Um, they're just as good. Um, last year, they were better, clearly. Um, and I see no reason why they won't make it again, especially with the way... The ACC looks I – mean, I know the SEC gets a lot of disdain in terms of the records of the, the conference teams, but as far as I'm concerned, there's only one team in the ACC, and that is Clemson. Um, hopefully somebody proves me wrong next year. Um, three, now, this one I'm going out on the left because the writing is on the wall for them to succeed, but I don't know if they will. To me, three should be Michigan. Um, with Urban Meyer retiring from Ohio State, which, in my opinion, he doesn't really retire because he's still a staff member at the university. And I'm pretty sure he's going to have some input in what they do uh, schematically for football, even though we may never hear about it. But, I mean, everything's lined up for Michigan to at least the Big Ten or at least make it to the championship game. And if... Um, they don't 
I think they need to strongly consider that lifetime contract. I understand it's like the buyout is crazy, but I think they'll will think about moving on from uh, Jim Harbaugh if they can't uh, at least make it to the college football playoff this year. And for I'm go, and I don't know some people I think Florida's going to win the East this year, but I think Florida's going to win the East this year in the SEC, and I do think that they will end up making it to the college football playoff. Um, I know they always have lots of battles uh, with Georgia, LSU, Kentucky, um, those those universities, but I do think they have the team in place to make a run. Uh, and, and typically, when, when, when I think about the college football playoff, I just, I just always have to put two SEC teams in there. It's just the conference, their strength is just so overwhelming. I don't see why but two teams couldn't make it. Um, I know that you know, the committee would strongly advise against that. Um, but if you're going to put the best teams in there, Two of those four teams have to be from the SEC. And I think record-wise, um, they will prove that. Yeah, it happened two years ago. I think I think this year is going to happen again. But um, is that all you guys? That's, that's all I got. That's all I got. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. So um, I'll pick you back off straight here. Um, my my number one is going to be Clemson. Two, I got Bama. Um, they're just the most talented team, hands down, um, from top to bottom. Every, Bama's pretty much returning everybody. That receiving core is most exciting in college football. Clemson's returning all their big studs, which three of the big ones on offense were true freshmen last year. And then you got some true freshmen out there on defense that came up big in their championship run. Um, I think the winner of the Big 12 – which I'll get into that in a second, um, is going to be the third team, and the fourth team in is going to be um, your second SEC squad. And um, that can get really deep as well. Um, I'll, I'm going to finish off with that one. Um, basically, the college football is going to be ran by the SEC. No other team, no other Power 5 conference even has um, more than two teams. I and mean, honestly, I only got one conference having two teams that actually have a legit shot to make it. Um, it's just going to be ran by the SEC and like how certain records piled up. Um, going into the conference outlook, um, the only chance I give the Pat 12 is Oregon. I mean, they're very stable and um, coaching staff and kind of between coaching staff and athletic, athletic administration, everything works really well. Um, they're really competent and starting to get some talent. And I think the Pac-12 is weak, so if they can catch, they can hit it rolling early with that um, big-time quarterback they got, I think they can keep it going. Uh, the Big 12, that's coming down to Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, I think the winner of that game will win the conference outright. Um, and that will be the third slot I get for college football playoff. Um, they might both make it as well, though, if um, the only SEC team that can put together a good record is just one school. Um, so I wouldn't be shot against that. Um, when it comes to the Big Ten. Yeah. Okay. Um, when it comes to the Big Ten, um, in regards to Michigan, 
I really see them as a self-imploding ticking time bomb. Time bomb. They um, they're gonna screw up some way or another. I really don't put any kind of stock into them at all. And when it comes to that defensive front between linebackers and defensive line, they did not replace what they lost to the draft last year. Um, Ohio State is the only team in the Big Ten I think actually has a chance. They definitely have the talent uh, to make the Final Four, top to bottom. Uh, I just don't know if their new leadership as far as the coaching will be able to get them there. Now the ACC, you're going to have Clemson. Um, They can roll in with their backups and uh, nephews and younger cousins and they'll take the ACC. It's, there's no kind of balance in that conference whatsoever. Um, we just throw out an oddball. You got this team, the Miami Hurricanes. Um, somehow they looked up and don't play Clemson in their conference schedule. So they find a way to pull the upset in week zero against the um, University of Florida. Honestly, that's the only game they're not favored in their whole schedule. They can just walk away, run the table, and uh, they'll see Clemson in the conference championship game uh, get demolished and maybe hold on to hope. But, yeah, outside of Clemson, I'm just giving Miami that so I can talk about more than one team. Now, the SEC, I'm going to say uh, five different teams have a chance to win it, but it's a 16 deep conference. Uh, we're going to go ahead and start with the East. I got Missouri. Um, yeah, they facing the bowl ban and everything. I don't think they'll win the East either, but I think they're going to make the East fun and kind of decide who wins it. And uh, what I mean by that is the, I have them winning either against Florida or against Georgia, and they might even win against both and screw up against everybody else, um, making a three-team race at the end. But I really have the East coming down to Florida and Georgia. Um, when it comes to Florida game, and they're going to have to get over the hump with Bama, Outside of that, I think they'll hold serve. Uh, when it comes to the, the Florida Gators, uh, I think every game in the Swamp is going to be a doable game. Um, this, I think the, the trouble is going to come when you leave and you play at LSU and then the neutral side against Georgia. You make it through those two games, and then you stay focused, don't have to slip up, a la Missouri game in 2018. Uh, I think they'll have a chance to make it into that final four, um, either with one loss or no losses going into the conference tournament uh, championship. I uh, really think the SEC championship game be uh, two undefeated schools. That wouldn't shot me at all. Um, switching over to the West, obviously I got Bama winning it. Um, they're the better team. They just have to show up and not screw up bad enough to leave with a, with a loss and they'll be fine. Um, LSU, it's the second team I have in it. They have to serve, hold serve at home. Um, I think their game on the road against Texas might be a little bit too much, um, but they still could come up against that. That'd be a good non-conference win. But um, when it comes to their home schedule, it's pretty tough. Uh, not the middle school team they're facing for their out conference game, but the whole Texas A&M and Florida game they got at home. Um, that would be pretty big, and they ain't got to go on. <laughs> On the road and beat Bama. Um, I'll put an LOL by yeah, that one. So, sir, somebody has a medal so, in that game, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to get in the, in the middle of the conversation, oh. but um, I guess that's why my name's at the bottom of the screen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the third team, I really don't think this team's getting any um, praise. I've been watching SC Media Days today, and they 
brought up Texas A&M winning nine games, um, being very fortunate and happy with that. I think they can do better. Um, they got a shot at Clemson. Now, looking last year, they didn't really have their system in place. They didn't know what they had between players and coaches. I don't think the trust was really there fully. Um, they did have a great tailback in Trevion Williams. Uh, he's gone now into the NFL, but they'll um, replace him with the talent they had just improving. Um, but that shot at Clemson, that's a very winnable game for them. Um so that can be a big non-conference win um, that will make up for another uh, maybe in-conference loss. But they play at home against Bama. Uh, that's a huge game for them. Uh, I think that would be just uh, with their leadership from the coaching staff, they got a championship pedigree and they got a very good leadership. I think that they can make that game really close. Um, and that, that's a tough play to place to play in. And then when it comes to their road games um, they play in Baton Rouge as I previously mentioned but I really think they, they're going to go into Baton Rouge with the poise because like I said they got Clemson at home and Bama at home going to play at Baton Rouge really isn't going to be too big of lights for them and their coach can win games in a tough environment so um, just to recap I got Clemson and Bama and then the winner of the Oklahoma-Texas game and their second SEC school, which would be the East. Because um, I have Bama winning it all. Um, that's going to come down to Florida or Georgia. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm just going to say Florida um, just to get some people on here talking. So but that's um, that's my take. We're going to see what you got, Zachariah, while you're on your way to work. <laughs> yep. Um so, unfortunately, uh, I have Bama. I have Bama number one as as a contender. But like Trey said earlier, we do have a yeah. bet going on. Oh my god! I'm That's not going to affect the outcome of that game. Uh, we do have a bet Just, going. Uh, on. Start saving your paychecks. <laughs> Say. I, I believe, even though that LSU is going into Alabama, that LSU can win by a point or a field goal, and that will change the outcome of the college football landscape. Because you have a one-loss Bama team uh, that will have their number two. Uh, I would have. I also have Clemson as a contender, and. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I want to go Big Ten, but it's really between who wins out of Ohio State and Michigan. And I have more of Ohio State winning again. So I'm going a nice little dark horse and going with Ohio State. But I feel like the winner out of that Ohio State-Michigan game is going to be number three. Uh, Number four, I have... Of course, I'm going with LSU. Like I said earlier, uh, if if LSU can run the table, even if they lose to a a their one loss is against Bama, I feel like that's uh, that's very good, and the committee can see like, oh well, even though LSU uh, did lose against Bama, it was early on their one day. Max is messing up. 
Yeah, Zagra, I don't know what's going on with your mic. The, uh, the number two. Zach? Hey, I don't know what happened, man. You're, um, it was sounding sketchy like you were underwater and then just shut everything down. Right? I don't know why either. Uh, how, how much did you hear? Um, once you said LSU and that was it. Like okay. You said LSU is the fourth team and that's it. Um, uh, I'm just going to add this to, to the recording. Gotcha. Feel like uh, I feel like LSU. Even if they their one loss is to Alabama, they can. But they run the thing uh, It would be great, and maybe and possibly the committee could see that. Oh well, LSU is a good team. Uh, even though they lost it, they lost against a tough Bama, uh, a tough Bama team at, at Bama. We can still put them in to the college football, and that could be your second SEC team. I uh, like uh, Brandon was saying earlier. I don't see any other conference than uh, than being in because I'm I mostly see like you're gonna have your Big Twelve. You're gonna have uh, you might have a Big Ten. Just one of those two teams. You're gonna have two SEC and you're gonna have Clemson. Uh, but for the most part. Uh, I do definitely agree with you guys. Uh, Alabama, Clemson, uh, it's real shaky with me when it comes down to Ohio State and Michigan because I have to see who wins that game. The the team that wins that game, that's gonna that's gonna be the team that gets the third spot, and the fourth spot is really gonna come down to: Do you want to see another uh, Big Twelve team like an Oklahoma? Or a Texas. See, like the way I got do it, you want to see like LSU, Georgia, or Florida? Two losses, um, but, two or three losses, and then the winner I have having one loss. Just I think both teams will slip up, and then so you're looking at one loss Big Ten school versus a one loss SEC school um, to get in, and then you got Oklahoma and Texas. I think the winner of that game honestly will just run the table in the conference. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're saying like the the Big Twelve school that wins out of Oklahoma and Texas? Well, then again, I really can't put Texas there because I have Texas uh, losing to LSU early on. So, Texas would be a. I mean, the Big Twelve would be a two-loss school. I mean, Oklahoma and Texas are are getting a lot of the attention, but I mean, Oklahoma State—they're still fine about playing it. Um, Iowa State has shown at times to um, break some people's titles hopes. Um, who knows? Less miles in Kansas, they may be up for an upset or two. So um, the Big Twelve is always tricky because those teams kind of tend to to mess up a good thing or, or something yeah. that you think is going to happen. Um, I'm really interested to see what Oklahoma would look like with Jalen Hurts. Um, I felt like he improved as a passer last year, so I'm really 
excited to see what he does in this system. I and mean, he's produced the last two Heisman winners and number one overall pick. So um, I think he would really want to showcase that he's uh, just as good of an NFL talent as uh, Baker and Kyler were. Um, I'm not so sure that he'll get that um, type of recognition, but I do think he has the capability with his skill set to lead them to a college football playoff. Um, Texas, I mean, they've kind of been knocking on the door, and, and last year they they ended the season with a with a really big win against Georgia. Even though I felt like you know Georgia was just kind of had their mind on the the college football playoff and not on the Sugar Bowl. Um, but if Texas can open up against a, a very good LSU team, at least defensively, yeah, um, um, they have a shot to, to really run the table. As Brandon said, I mean, given the teams, there's a there's a chance that, that Texas can really beat Oklahoma in that um, in that rivalry matchup. So, and and Big Ten. Really, like you said, I mean, it's shaky between um, Ohio State and Michigan, but Michigan State may be a dark horse candidate in that conference. Wisconsin, um, they were really good last year. They may be a, a team in that conference as well. Um, so, really, really kind of playing you know, the guessing game with a lot of these yeah. conferences. I mean, even to some degree, um, the SEC. I mean, we. We expect Alabama to to make it at the very least. We don't know if there'll be a one, a two, a three, or a four, but we do expect them to be a representative for the SEC. Based on that schedule and the fact that they kind of have in the top 25, I want to say I counted 12 teams in the SEC in the top 25. And so that doesn't usually bode well for the conference because they tend to, to knock each other out. Um, so I'm really interested to see if we do have a uh, a two-team uh, or a playoff with two SEC teams or if those teams being ranked so high so early kind of ruins those chances of that happening. Fair, fair. But not not every team in the top 25 is worthy of being oh, there. Believe me, I know. <laughs> How is Florida State on the top 25? Goodness gracious. See, I think they were looking they at Texas the basketball schedule of Florida State. And they're like, they're a top 25 team. Like, wow. okay. Okay. That's okay. football. <laughs> Can't change it now. But. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe they bought that preseason ranking to try to get some hype. And uh, some of these tickets because they're I know they ha- have like a major crisis of season tickets. Thing went from 40k to under 25k from last year to this year, but um, yeah, they don't have too much good stuff going on right now, and they're kind of like an imploding fan base. Um, as far as the big three is concerned, they're the new team with Jim McElwain, so glad those days are behind me. Um, watching. SEC Network right now. Got my alma mater, Chris Doreen, and the, the new ball coach, Dan Moore. Not not the head ball coach, the new ball coach. So, I um, think we're in good hands, but I'm glad we passed that torch down to them. I think Miami will get it next, but 
Um, yeah, I don't see what they see in Florida State. And honestly, I don't see Miami with too much. They got a few defenders that are good. They probably got a couple uh, nice guys on offense. But, I mean, just the ACC itself, just there's such a talent gap between Clemson and everybody. It's like college versus high school or middle school, depending on which team they're playing. But some teams looked up. Um, like Miami left up and don't have Clemson on the conference schedule, so they might be able to do something, but we'll have to wait and see. And my thing, especially with the top teams, is who's your quarterback? Who's your guy that when things get tough and, and it's a hard-fought game and I just need somebody to make a play, who's that, that field general? You see it time and time again, the team with the best quarterback is typically going to win the most games. Oh. Right. And most of these teams we're naming have dual quarterback systems. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's not doing good. Let me pull him and put it in a guy that hasn't practiced all week. That's what the starters. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like a big crap shoot. Um, I mean, should I say that? But I know we're going to see a lot of wild, kind of wildcat situation with um, Tony at Florida. We saw a little bit last year, and I expect to see more this year. But the thing with Tony is he can actually sling it, too. He was a quarterback in uh, high school in Alabama. He threw it for a lot of yards and everything, but his height and athletic ability slid him the wide out. But um, I don't know. Like I remember watching Miami last year. They have this Rozier cat and some other guy, and like those pull Rozier, throw another guy for half a series and put Rozier back. I'm like that. They can't develop a flow like that. I don't know why these teams are doing that, but it is what it is. They're gonna play how they want to play. But um, like I said, I feel pretty confident in my prediction. So feel pretty good. But yeah. Well, you guys know. You guys know. I feel confident in my prediction. So you're the only one that goes confident that was number four. And LSU 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 was was at Bama, and so that means this year they have a shot. And I was looking at the video, and I don't think HD television was invented yet. And it's just I don't know how you can go in so confident. I was in high. Like, the last time we lost to them. The last time was uh, 2011. It was the so-called game of the century, nine nine to uh, six. And the, the kickers was was really that game, bro. Notoriously, we were crazy. That was a crazy game. Defense was great. Kickers, so those kickers were. Um, yeah, I think they'll go after the guys who got cut from the soccer team. So Alabama recruited one of the top teams in the nation this year. So I'm really excited about that, but. Um, but I do remember that that 2011 uh, loss because um, I had lost the bet, ironically, and I had to like wear my sweatshirt inside out or something like that. But um, 
I got my revenge back in that national championship. So that's all that matters to me. Um, some say that the LSU team didn't know what the 50-yard line looked like. I have not uh, seen that game. I will not ever see that game. And some people. I was listening to that game on the radio, and I will never put that game on my t- television. Um, one of the squads, because it was in New Orleans, and like, granted, inside might have been 50-50 as far as like school allotment, but a lot of the non-school tickets were um, local guys. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and then it's. Implied in the schools' names, the name of the two schools in New Orleans, Louisiana, where it's actually played at. Um, but that's kind of how I feel for the Florida Georgia rivalry, too. Um, it's in Jacksonville, so that's a home game every year. But like we were talking about games just now, going not finishing nine to six, and how it was a good game. That's you can tell we're from the from the um, from the South <laughs> SEC territory. Everybody was like, "This game sucks." Blah 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 blah. I'm like, no, I like hard-hitting, fill the gaps, and meet somebody in the back backfield. Yes. I like hard-hitting games, not these 56 to 48 things where it's just like, okay, who can hold the ball the longer? <laughs> yeah. Big 12 and then West the West Basically, big, uh, big 12. Blowout. But... I think overall that was a pretty good little segment besides um, the people that were shot to see Zachariah go to work and Zachariah's mac- microphone. <laughs> yeah, my uncle had to talk. He was like, oh, you going to leave me with the sick dog? Yes, because I have to go get money. <laughs> Yes, because I can't be in the house all day yeah, the, and bored and man. be left with the sick dog well, while you're you out running the streets. Right. It was great talking with y'all, too, for sure. Yeah, I appreciate y'all, bros. Five, five. You know how we rock. Always, buddy. No, man. Welcome in. Uh, thank you, guys. Thank you guys for uh, coming on, and uh, I hope to catch you guys very soon. Uh, next time is going to be more. I'm going to give more no of you guys man. a heads up because no I know this was it. the very last minute. But uh, okay. th- thank you for giving me y'all time. Okay, man. Bye. Okay, this part of the recording is late. I'm doing it at 3.33 in the morning, eight, uh, right before I release the episode. Um, I promise a WWE update, and that's what I'm going to be sticking to. Uh, every time there's an episode, we're going to do a WWE update. So here, here's this week's WWE update uh, for Raw. We saw Rey Mysterio return against Bobby Lashley, but Bobby Lashley just destroyed Rey Mysterio. I don't know why Rey Mysterio is a punching bag right now, but that's just pointless. I feel like Rey Mysterio should be in, in a title, uh, in a title match, or or contending, or he he should be 
he should be basically fighting for a title every time. Uh, Rey Mysterio gets uh, gets into a feud or something like that. Rey Mysterio is a legend. Uh, maybe he should go down to the cruiserweights, help out the cruiserweights in 205.5, hold the cruiserweight belt for a little bit so the cruiserweights could get some um, recognition, some more. Um, we also, also this week, Roman Reigns uh, won the first SBWWE moment. Um, congrats to the big dog. Um, we also saw... Uh, Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch, they won against uh, Andrade and Zelina Vega. Um, Becky, Becky, uh, after the match, Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins, they got attacked by Corbin and Lacey Evans uh, at the ramp, at the beginning of the entrance ramp. Um, after that, we saw a segment where uh, Ra- uh, Paul Heyman uh, spoiled, and I'm putting air quotes, he spoiled the appearance of Brock Lesnar at, at Extreme Rules. After uh, Paul Heyman just basically went on a whole rant about sucking uh, Brock Lesnar's dick, um, we saw the Usos and the Miz uh, defeat the rival uh the revival in uh, in uh, Elias. The Usos has a championship match against the revival at Extreme Rules. I think it's going to be very interesting to see. Um, after that, we saw Cesaro versus No Way Jose. It, it seemed like a very quick match and a very good build up uh, for Cesaro, and he definitely needs it. He definitely needs this push right now. Uh, we saw the Road Warriors against some local competition. And then we saw uh, a 24-7 segment. Uh, the 24 title segment where um, Drake Maverick was just running around the arena and stuff like that. People were chasing after him. After that, uh, we saw Ricochet defeat Gallo. So then we saw Ricochet defeat Anderson in another match. Uh, after that match, the, the club laid out the U.S. champ after the bell. For the women's side, we saw uh, Nikki Cross beat the, uh, beat the clock. So now she was involved in a SmackDown women's titles match. Uh, but with her, But since she beat the clock... Uh, she she made it a handicap match, and then for the main event of Raw, we saw uh, Drew McIntyre and Shane McMahon beat Roman, and it turns out to be uh, Cedric Alexander. Uh, Raw wasn't Raw was I give it a C. It was average. It was like an average Raw. It's it's not really a Raw that going into a big uh, a nice pay per view like this. Uh, all the matches that was set up going into a nice pay-per-view like that Raw was just it was just lackluster basically now Smackdown on the other hand Smackdown killed it this week Smackdown got an A from me straight up um Kevin, Kevin Owens and Ziggler going at it in in a in a in the parking lot before Raw, and the Shane Man had to get involved, and that led to uh, Kale's Pike Bomb or Pike Bomb S promo. Um, 
basically that's one-on-one if if you want to turn somebody to a baby face you just bring up the issues that uh the fans have with the wwe right now and kevin owens said everything they were playing he was complaining about shane and how shane takes up so much tv time and how he's stealing away tv time from all these great uh great uh, superstars in the back um we saw Nakamura, Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, that Kevin Owens fight bomb was just the best part of SmackDown. Basically the best part uh, for a t- for a television this week, uh, TV Raw this week. Um, after that, we saw Shinsuke Nakamura defeat Balor for the, uh, uh but this was a non-intercontinental title match. Uh, but this this led to a, a title match against the two, and I'll talk about that later. We saw uh, Nikki, uh, we saw Bailey and Nikki Cross um, going back and forth with each other on the mic, and then uh, we we saw Carmella come in um, and interrupted. Uh, Nikki Cross beat Carmella, which built up some of her hype. Uh, for the Extreme Rules match, the handicap match, and then finally for the uh, main event, we saw Roman versus Dolph Ziggler, which was a really good match. Surprisingly, uh, those I would like to see that feud uh, in the future, possibly. But I, I feel like Dolph Ziggler needs some new material. Uh, I'm tired of hearing him say, "Oh, if I did this and." I should have been able to do that if I got this little push and so la la la. Like, come on, man. It's been years now. Get over it. Uh, and uh, in the middle of the match, we saw uh, KO come out and Stone Cold stutter Shane McMahon. So that was great to see, too. Uh, SmackDown this week uh, got an A minus. Um, the Kevin Owens bomb that was pretty good. It's nice to see Shinsuke get get an opportunity, and um, Roman versus Dolph. That was a that was a good match for me. That was a really good match for me. Now since it's Tuesday, I've basically seen and, and seen the outcome of 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 I I basically seen the outcome of. The Extreme Rules for 2019. I'm not going to talk about Raw, even though Raw just happened. Um, I'm not going to talk about Raw. I'm going to save that for next week's episode. But I do have my notes for Raw. Uh, So, in the pre-show, we saw Shinsuke defeat Finn Balor for the uh, Intercontinental Championship. Uh, It's going to be nice to see what Finn Balor does after... uh, after this Intercontinental run, um, it was lackluster for his Intercontinental run. Like, he wasn't getting that much push, even though Finn Balor should definitely be in the main event. Uh, he should be fighting for the WWE Championship. Him versus Kofi would be great to see. That would be a great match uh, to see at SummerSlam. But, hey, it's going to be interesting. Uh, the other uh, pre-show match was uh, the Cruiserweight title. Uh, Drew Gulak re- retained the Cruiserweight title. Um, to start off um, 
started off Extreme Rules, which is surprising that they started as they started off so uh, soon. But we had Taker versus Roman. Uh, Taker won off a of Tombstone Pile Driver versus Shane. Uh, Taker looked great. He he looked like he had a purpose, and he he came out there to prove a point that uh, Super Showdown was just a fluke, or it was mostly our Goldberg. It, it wasn't Taker's fault. Uh, but Taker looked great out there. He looked like he could do this for like another year or two. And by do this, I mean be a part-timer for another year or two. Um, Raw, um, basically, they're in Extreme Rules. They announced that Raw is having a reunion next week. And then and they bring back some big names like Stone Cold, Shawn Michaels, uh, who else? Hulk Hogan. Kev, I think they said Kevin Nash, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, so yeah, the Raw reunion is definitely gonna be good. Hopefully, I'm off and I could watch that. Um, after after they did that, the next match was uh the revival retaining against Usos. That was a great match. That was a great match, and they put my fate back into tag team wrestling, which actually. Come to think about it, I never lost faith in tag team wrestling. It's just that um, the the WWE creatives they lost faith in tag team wrestling, and they and they wasted time so much on Shane that you can't never you 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 forget sometimes about the tag team division, especially the women. Um, which by the way, the uh, the women's WWE uh, WWE. The women's WWE Tag Team Championship should have definitely been on the pre-show or been on the main card somewhere. It's it's crazy to think that they have not defended those titles uh, since WrestleMania, and we're we're going on months, like months from WrestleMania. Come on now, months of pay-per-views and stuff like that, and they have not defended those titles. It's it's crazy to me. Um, they so after the the Raw Tag Team Champion uh Tag Team match, uh they announced they were like oh Summer they did a promo for SummerSlam 2019, it's in Toronto, uh Ontario, Canada, and apparently it's it's sold out. Um, after that little promo, they did um uh, Alistair Black uh defeated Cesaro. That was a really good match. That that was candidate for match of the night. Um, after that great match, we had uh, Bailey retaining against uh, against uh, Blitz and Nikki Cross. Surprisingly, she had no help. I thought Sasha Banks would have been back to not uh, Extreme Rules, or she might be back for SummerSlam. One of the two, I don't know. I, I thought uh, we might see Carmella. I thought somebody was going to interfere with that match. But, hey, I was wrong. And I'm glad I was wrong because Bailey was great. Um, Strowman was the last. Braun Strowman was the last man standing. Uh, I can't really talk that much about that match because I really didn't see them. But what I, from what I did see from highlights, they went all around the ring. But, hey. Um, shout out to the New Day, your WWE World 
Ah, I fucked it up. <laughs> Hold on. Your six-time WWE Tag Team Champions. Six times for the New Day, man. That's great. They're, uh, I think the New Day is going to uh, break the whatever tag team record that is. Whoever holds the most tag team belts. I think New Day is going to break it. Um, Kevin Owens, uh, Stone Cold Stutter, um, Dolph Ziggler in 17 seconds. Damn, 17 seconds. Um, AJ Styles won his third, uh, U.S. championship with, uh, a little help from the club. Um, Seth Rollins and... Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch retained their titles against, uh, against, uh, Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans. Uh, the crazy part of that match was the fact that Corbin had hit his finisher end of days on Becky Lynch and then Seth Rollins just became unglued and he just walloped on that man. Man, that was crazy. I've never seen Seth like that. I, I would love to see Seth like that more. Three stumps to the head. That was crazy. It was also crazy to see uh, Brock Lesnar. He showed up and actually cashed in after that. Unfortunately, uh, he won off of two German suplexes and uh, uh, one F5. But... Uh, Rollins just went through a physical match like that, so it it was a uh, I I didn't expect him to uh to really fight back or put much of an effort, and Becky had to take that end of day, so that way people wouldn't wouldn't be like, oh, why didn't Becky Lynch just hit Brock Lesnar with a chair to give uh self some time and da 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 like so, so basically he she took the end of days to to cancel out that little theory or or that interference or whatever you want to call it. Uh, all in all, I at first I thought Extreme Rules was going to be terrible because I I was telling Jared that uh, they never really do. They they might have like a, a weak stipulation. They they're not really going to go extreme like they say they are. But Hey, I was glad I was proven wrong, and Extreme Rules actually went back to being the old Extreme Rules and not that crappy ass shit where where uh, where it's just one or two matches having stipulations, and then every other match is just a normal match. All in all, I have to give a uh, Extreme Rules. Um, uh, hey, that was a really good card. I really liked all the. Uh, the placement of the matches. Uh, Extreme Rules. Uh, it, it went over the bar. It went over the bar. I think uh, SummerSlam is uh, going to be a good one. Um, so. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank, thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, thank you for... Brandon and Trey for being on the podcast. Um, I'm definitely going to get them back on soon. Um, and uh, like I said, uh, eat, 
I'm going to continue to uh, bring you guys a weekly WWE update. So, I will definitely catch y'all later. Peace.